2: I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Sarah, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, the final day of another great month for stocks. The Investment Committee weighing in on the broadening bull market now. And what it means for your money in the weeks ahead. Joining me for the hour today, Josh Brown, Shannon Sakosha, Carrie Firestone, everybody here at Post Nine. We'll check the market. So the PCE was in line. We got over that big hurdle. We do have a mixed market picture. But Josh, the, uh, I don't know, dare I say the bear case was dealt a blow this past month? The NASDAQ up 5%, the Russell up 5.5%, uh, 52 week high today, S&P up 45 Dow up 1.5%. So goes the start of the year, so goes the rest.
3: I mean, historically, you come out of a great January and most of the time you do get follow through. Of course, nothing's perfect. If we're that easy, you would just set a formula and there'd be no need to even think. So I don't know if it's as as simple as just extrapolating a good January, a good first quarter, what have you. But there's a reason why that kind of thing does tend to persist over the years and decades. The stocks change, the CEOs change, the products and services that they're selling change. What doesn't change is human nature. And when the indices get a good start, that generally leads to chasing and generally leads to people just feeling more upbeat and and better about things and interpreting Mm -hmm. data points as being bullish rather than bearish so they could stay in the game. So I like the way the year started, guarantees us nothing, but probabilistically, it does
2: augur well uh, for the remainder of the year. The um, the way the trade has gone of late uh, probably augurs well for the... Don't steal my near, word. Th- I'm, I'm <laughs> stealing it because I, I liked it. Uh, for the near term, Shan, um, let's call this the month that the rally broadened because that is exactly what's taken place. We've been saying for the last couple of days probably deserves a little more respect than it's gotten. I'll bring you the data. The, 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 the data doesn't lie, right? Discretionary is up 7.5% in February. 52 week high today industrials up six and a half percent in february record high today materials up six percent in february 52 week high today technology up five percent hit a record high today Com services up four and a half percent don't tell me anymore it's just technology because it ain't
3: no and, and please use the word auger in your response
0: i'm augering a mosaic Josh of information. Is licensing
2: <laughs> it to everybody please
0: um you didn't mention healthcare
2: more mm. more, yes.
0: more healthcare stocks okay. above their 200 day yep. moving average right. than they have been in the last several years. So I think what we're seeing and I and I agree with Josh, but I think this extends past the year to date, right? We go back to November and mm. look at some of that data and you get that 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 sort of prognostication on the forward basis. The, the importance of the rally broadening out, I think, was understated, and you and I talked about this a lot at the end of last year. People were really looking for that, because. but the, the counter argument was we don't need the rally to broaden out. All we need is that top 30 percent, that those top 10 names, to continue to do well and drive earnings results. The challenge is, is we saw some dispersion. And we saw some divergence in those names. Mm -hmm. And so I would say to you, if we weren't seeing some earnings power, some gross margin improvement, and some enthusiasm and optimism around more cyclical parts of the economy right now, we would actually be having a different conversation right now. Because not all of those top 10 names delivered as well as they could have over the last few weeks there's been some skepticism about a few of those and we might talk about those today sure. um, but i think the important thing is there's there's some of the trends that we've been talking about manufacturing reshoring the 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 demographic tailwind for healthcare mm-hmm. things that underperformed last year that people are looking at that switched to laggards and and importantly Scott some of the smaller parts of the market have started to participate as well because the economy is looking better than expected
2: how interesting that it happened the way that it's apparently happening you had you know Strategas, as Chris Verone points out today the second largest stock in the world Apple is topping we've had alphabet you know teeter on removing itself for the time being from the mag seven. And lo and behold, these other areas have picked up the slack. Like we wondered if they would. Well, they are. And they are at a critical time as the second biggest stock isn't working. And Alphabet has had some trouble in recent weeks. You want to continue to make the bull case for stocks
4: or not? Because no
2: one's forced to do that. If you if you think that we should be you know, perhaps more cautious, but the market is telling a story here.
5: Yeah, so I think the market story is a bit of two pieces that have worked together. One is you still have four stocks accounting for half of the market gains so far this year. That's Nvidia, Amazon, Microsoft, and Meta. Then you have the other 50% of the market that is broader. Financial services have been very strong. If you look at some of the names, that that have been advancing they're related to finance
2: hey v- visa, well look visa your visa is making a new high in the past yeah. week okay josh's jp morgan yeah. has made a new high in the last week berkshire hathaway has made
5: a new high in the last week mastercard to your point is on that list too. right exactly so this speaks to strengthening of the economy but it also it's important to remember that if we are at a point where the I'd say the aggressive GDP numbers are being pushed out. We're not seeing the growth on the revenue side that we had thought we would right now but there's no reason that we're not going to see it six months from now you can see that the economy is percolating and that there are reasons to be positive about the second half of the year or into 2025 and that to me is really helping what you're saying cyclical case but it's it's broadening out and it's not just tech and and can I build on that yeah that's a really great point, point
3: sure. yeah, i'm so glad you said that You are welcome. We were looking at relative. (laughs) Augers well. Augers well for my response. We were looking at relative strength on a sector by sector basis, just trying to get a sense of what's really working right now. Not individual names, but groups, whole groups. Because one of the criticisms about this current bull market is how top heavy. The XLI has the highest RSI in the entire stock market. If the industrials are the strongest stocks, and I think financials might be third, that's a great tape for if you're thinking about how is this year going to go. Now, if that's not being backed up by earnings improvement, okay, yeah. maybe that's potentially negative. That's not the case. Then you go sector by sector. Every single one is above its 50-day and its 200-day, except for the XLU, which arguably – should be uh, yeah. below if the rest are higher. Right. Um, the XLU actually uh, has the heaviest net flow decrease of all of those sector spider ETFs, negative um, 12% year to date. The money is coming out of the most defensive sector. Hmm. Guess where it's going? The biggest uh, uptick in in net flows, real estate. XLRE up six percent year to date and rates have not really done much to the downside. So I think that it's a very bullish tone, not just when you look at the leadership stocks, but when you look at the sector specific ETFs and you look at the money coming in and out. Everything is confirming all of these things are confirming each other.
0: I, I think what I would want to add though and Scott and I just wanna I wanna speak to something that Carrie just said. So the the expectation though is that we're not going to persist at the GDP growth rates that we've posted the last two quarters. That, that That's not going to persist. And so you could have an argument where people are starting to look at that top line, top line sales are going to come down due to the disinflationary trend, perhaps we don't have as strong a growth. I still think this is tied to the expectations being reset, but also some of these longer term lags that didn't manifest last year actually coming to fruition. The Inflation Reduction Act isn't going anywhere. It's a five-year stimulus plan, and it has meaningful implications for industrials, has meaningful implications for materials. We also haven't seen, frankly, we haven't seen the type of commodity performance that we would have anticipated. So you're seeing a tick up in things like materials. Martin & Marietta, that's another company that has a 52-week high this this week. Mm -hmm. So I think when we look at why are we perhaps more constructive, it's not that we think that we're going to continue to grow at the same pace we have the last two quarters, it's that we're not going to experience the deterioration that we had anticipated. And a lot of those sectors that were anticipating that deterioration last year didn't participate. And this is a catch up based on the fact that they are able to grow their earnings, even if it's only seven to eight percent this year, not the 10 to 12 percent that maybe was looked at from a top line perspective. There's still a lot of enthusiasm in margin improvement and earnings power for some of these companies. And lack Mm -hmm. of recession. Right. It's, la- I mean, it's lack it's, of it's- recession. And those yeah. those sectors were pricing in a recession last year. They were still anticipating that, despite the fact that we saw tech stocks really, really go, it's been
2: a, go parabolic. It's been a big stock quality rally. Can, can we say that? Not just big stock MAG7, big stock quality rally. You look at the ones uh, we, we mentioned, you know, Marriott, new high the past week. It's Merck. It's Parker Hannifin. It's, you know, Martin Marietta. You, you mentioned Vulcan. Costco. I've got about 50 names in front of me on the list of these stocks that have been doing well. Your American Express Mm -hmm. is is on the list, too. We also need to consider, as we assess where the consumer is, you know, that income number today uh, was unbelievably strong. Now, spending wasn't, but income incomes were strong. So. Wage growth is outpacing inflation. Maybe it's more than all of the stimulus money that was pumped into the system, which undoubtedly had a positive effect on the consumer. But if incomes are going up, that's a little bit more of a lifeline, so to speak, to keep the consumer humming along. Maybe they take a break in spending and resume it, you know, in the in the weeks ahead. That's something that needs to be watched closely. But again, I'll point to discretionary up seven and a half percent over the last month in, in this month and another high today.
3: That was one of the big stories was that there was this all, all this artificial stimulus in the system, which there was. There was this obscene explosion in, in uh, money supply, which there was. Nobody would deny that. So one of the bare cases was that that eventually would reverse and the economy would, would, uh, would shudder as that money supply contracted and the consumer retrenched. The thing is, it didn't go
2: that way, or de- and credit card delinquencies, you know, started to yeah. go up. I, I keep hearing that they're normalizing case made they're yesterday. not
3: going up. Yeah. So there's two different things. Credit card delinquencies were ridiculously low for three years. That was unnatural. You might never see that environment ever again. They have ticked higher to a normal level. Don't look at five-year charts of delinquencies. By all means, extend your your uh, your aperture. Look at 25 years, and you'll see. We are not staring down the barrel of a delinquency explosion. But the point I wanted to make is wages are rising in real terms. So that was the handoff. So we went from all this artificial stimulus and having that be spent down. And then the fear was, uh uh-oh, everyone's going to go into crazy credit card debt or start missing payments. No, the handoff happened. And now you've got, in real terms... Wages rising specifically at the lower end of the income scale, which is magnificent because um, we haven't seen that in a while, and that is what's kept the consumer story afloat it's not artificial anymore now it's real
2: you want to be you still wh- yeah. wh- what was the what was the look for was it was it because I'm one of those people who was you know raising some flags no, or potential I, concerns i mean you've been neutral I, on equities and is and now wrote, the, is now I the actually,
0: time not to be i I wrote a note about this uh, you know, courtesy of, of Newberger Barman, a couple weeks ago, we looked at a lot of this data and I would agree with Josh lower-income consumers you know they have benefited from wage growth but they, we are seeing weakness in the low end of the consumer base we are seeing that trade-off between discretionary and non-discretionary if you look at the parts of the CPI that were most concerning in January it was things like auto insurance increase health insurance increases those are things that middle-income and high-income households those that can be digested of course.
2: well that's what but, but yeah but I, but, I get your so point I'm because saying, that's why services inflation is is real and and it's it's potentially worrisome and it's it's potentially more sticky than uh, than, the, than the Fed would like
0: but it hasn't spread to middle income and that's why you're seeing the strength in discretionary stocks that's why you're seeing what what Josh is talking about we haven't seen the middle income consumer despite the fact that they're dealing with a stickier set of costs and costs that continue to be higher than they were prior mm-hmm. to the pandemic mm-hmm. they have not pulled back from a spending perspective there may be some seasonality because there their
3: incomes are up
0: right so i'm saying is that is so is that trade off going to be Enough for the whole year. Yes, Shannon, they're, that, they're, that's the that's the really value the, question. Of their,
3: the value of their homes last year. We 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 the know, wealth effect, yeah. The value of their homes last year went up $2.3 trillion. Up. Yeah. This is with interest rates literally vertical. The value of, of everyone's homes, not just the wealthy, the, the entire housing stock went up. That's the wealth effect. 401k balances, all time record highs. That's the wealth effect. So there are look. No one's saying this is Goldilocks and everyone's happy. We all agree. Healthcare costs are out of control. Rents are still very high. But let's not, let's not leave out the other things such as gasoline prices at Multi-year normal levels, not spiking, not hurting people. Despite a war Food in the whole <laughs> Yeah. So it's it's never. Yeah. Listen, you want everything? Like, what planet are you I from? I want everything. <laughs> no, we I, have we have good and bad, like always, and I think the balance okay. has
2: kept the consumer. So in the let, game. M- let me ask you this. So and I become so more why, constructive. Why, why don't you have? Okay, because I yeah. was going to say, why don't you have enough evidence at this point to be more than neutral on 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 we've U.S. Become, equities? We've
0: become more constructive. Okay. We've gone from uh, at the end of the year we were overweight cash we've gone to underweight cash. Part of that is because we expect cash yields to come down. Second part of that is that we become more constructive, particularly in areas like small cap. So we have become more constructive in certain parts of the market. We're global investors. We haven't gotten constructive everywhere. There's parts of the global equity market that probably are not as quite as attractive as what we see in the U.S. So when I look at when we
2: talk about neutral,
0: we're talking about it from a global
2: perspective. Let's talk U.S. perspective.
0: We're more constructive on the U.S. market and that's and we're and we're evidencing that by increasing our small cap exposure to start the okay. year.
2: OK, can we hit a couple of stocks that we need to talk about today? Salesforce being one of them, which it's a new 52 week high on the back of its earnings today. Um, they boost the buyback by 10 billion. They, uh, they got its first ever dividend to uh, the stock's up three-quarters of of 1%. But Carrie, you own it. Yeah. Why don't you give me the read on, um, you know, a stock that had a lot to live up to, I think it's fair to say. It was up 15 or so percent leading into that number, up 43% over six months. Been one of those big AI high flyers.
5: Yeah, exactly. Almost 100% it. over the last year. So there was a lot uh, of expectation and anticipation. And the concern, of course, was that they weren't going to hit the numbers. Now, they did hit the numbers. What was slightly disappointing, of course, was that the guidance for the full year was not quite as strong on the revenue side as people wanted. However, the the backlog is up 17%. The margin is over 30% and they think it's going to grow 200 to 300 basis points. This is a world leader in the CRM business. And you can use and need artificial intelligence when you are trying to log a client profile or you're discussing a sales call and you want to send this to other people in your organization. Now, instead of typing four or five sentences, you type one word and it knows where it's going to go. I mean, I, we we use Salesforce CRM and I'm very impressed with that. This isn't about my being impressed. I did feel impressed that the numbers were as expected. They were not disappointing and I think that Mark Benioff could be downplaying how well the back end well, of the, the year could be. They said
3: on the call AI adoption internally should expand margins over time. So not only will they be infusing their existing products with AI, but they themselves have the ability to use AI. And I, I mentioned this on uh, closing bell last night. I don't know if you remember or if you were doing emails or something. But <laughs> uh, nice. one of the be, things I said, one of the things I said was the second half of the year, the thing you're going to start hearing now is not just investments in AI, but ROI from AI and companies saying, we got the benefit of having implemented all this Microsoft stuff we paid for in the yeah. first half of the year. Yeah. So, that, you know, and, and, and of course, Salesforce should be uh, a leader in that story.
2: Okay. Yeah. So it's perfect segue. We have an alert to uh, bring you. One of our committee members has just bought Salesforce oh. uh, as a new position. It's Bill Baruch. Uh, Why did you start a new position in Salesforce? And I'm assuming you did it after the earnings release. Is that right?
4: That is correct. I I actually initiated today, this morning. I'm I'm really impressed with with how the stock has performed. I'm really impressed with the AI adoption and revolution here. But what really got me excited was was Benioff's excitement. I I saw him uh, with with Kramer. I saw him after the bell yesterday, after the earnings report. And he was extremely excited about things. I, I have trimmed Adobe. In recent weeks from a software perspective but what i'm looking for is to gain more software exposure and i think salesforce is trending higher right now and and believe me if it gets out above its previous high it could really start to run from a price perspective
2: you also bought more nvidia and you bought more amd and western digital too. talk to me about those amd hitting
4: a, a, a new all-time high today yes and NVIDIA and AMD together, I've been on the show talking about trimming those names and really just managing the position. What I'm doing here I've stepped away from that position um, you know, at a, and was held at a market weight. Now I'm, I'm reestablishing an overweight position here, let, let it settle in after earnings. And this is very, very tactical. I want to see this hold a very constructive sort of bull flag-like pattern. If we start surrendering the middle February highs, then I would look to manage this position and start reducing back to where I was coming into today. But there's nothing I can say about Nvidia that we don't already know. Uh, I I just think the A.I. story we're we're still very early in and and the NVIDIA earnings report overall, it's setting Uh the the path here to one thousand dollars. I think AMD will play a catch up trade uh, and it potentially has been consolidating very nice. So I, I think they're both on their way to really moving well. When you look at Western Digital. Uh, You look at the news yesterday, Micron is a top position of ours. And you look at the partnership between Micron and NVIDIA. You know, NVIDIA and AMD and Intel, they're all clients of Western Digital. Yes, only about 3% of the revenue, but I think that can continue to grow. And in this environment of steady growth, where where the inflation is not taking higher rates are coming down. It's really great for, for a cyclical semiconductor name like Western Digital.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it very much. Uh, Bill Baruch, thank you so much for sharing this trade with our viewers. We'll talk to you soon uh, or, you know, a few trades. These stocks, as you know, guys, have had so much to live up to. Um, a lot of the software, certainly the semi names. Goodness, since since November 1st, you know, arms up almost 180 percent. AMD up 87 Salesforce, you know, up about 50 Mm -hmm. or so. Snowflake was up 40 something heading into that print last night. And that's our chart of the day for what you may, uh, you know, understand to be obvious reasons. As you take a look at the stock, it's down about 20 percent. Stephanie Link owns this stock. She's been buying it lately. She joins us now because it's the worst day ever. At least it's on track for that step. I think you're a little nervous going in and maybe a little upset coming out.
6: I am a little upset, but I'm, you know, look, I think the stock, as to your point, it has rallied a lot. Uh, I only bought a small position. I know it's a volatile stock, and and so I was looking to buy on weakness. This today is definitely weak, and I will be adding to it when I can. No question about it. The guide was disappointing. The CEO leaving, uh, um, although he will be uh, the chairman. Um, The company's in the penalty box at this point in time. I get it. Maybe for the next couple of quarters. But long term, the big picture has not changed. The total addressable market for them is $248 billion. They have new products. You need data to support AI and to make AI better. And they have it. And they have, again, a whole slew of new products coming. Their bookings in the quarter is the reason why I have conviction in the long term, because bookings actually grew 33% up from Mm -hmm. 25% sequentially. And they just signed the largest deal in the company's history, a $250 million deal for five years. So I'm not happy, obviously, but I am going to add because I do think the long term still makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, Brad Gerstner of Altimeter, has been tweeting a lot about it this morning. Um, I think his, I think it's fair to say, he's a little frustrated by the quarter. Um, obviously, is still a long-term believer in the story. Acknowledges the good and the bad. He would agree with you, obviously, with the, the as he characterizes it, massive. Q4 bookings, best in class free cash flow margins, he cites. They do have the new CEO, Sridhar Ramaswamy, who, by the way, we visited with, uh, may have been his first time on CNBC several months ago in our AI special out in San Francisco. So Schlutman moves to chairman there. He does take issue, does Gerstner with their comms department, maybe not uh, articulating the story in the best way. That's my interpretation of it, certainly not, not his. But he, he thinks it's too conservative, maybe very conservative, yeah, but time is. will tell.
6: It is conservative, Scott, but I think a new CEO should be conservative. So we were expecting 30 percent product revenue growth. We got 22 for the full year. That's, I think, very conservative, considering what they have been putting up as of late. Um, but I do think you have a new CEO who's trying to get at the lay of the land. They actually had two disappointing quarters last year, and they are trying to avoid that. Consistency matters. And so, OK, let's just slash the numbers and let's see what happens. And again, having these new deals, having these new products, I think makes a lot of sense and gives them momentum for the long term. And yeah, free cash flow margins are actually going to be for 2025, uh, tw- uh, for fiscal 25, rather. I. Think they're actually going to be a little bit better than expected the guidance actually is a little bit better than expected and so they have to spend a lot this year we have to wait and see on the demand side but i really do think this is a great player in the long term
2: steph thanks for making time for us today uh, really important to hear from sure. you on on the uh, other side of these earnings that's stephanie link you got a take on on snow
3: my take is I really think this is an overdone sell-off, but I personally am not racing in here to do anything because I already own a bunch of these types of stocks, and I shouldn't really mix them all together, but I do feel to some extent you should only really have a few. So I'm not getting rid of CrowdStrike to buy into Snowflake, right? Um, but at the guidance off by $15 million and the CEO stepping back to be chairman, and this is how many billions of dollars they wipe out of the... Uh, out of the market cap, it, it does seem like a lot. That being said, you, you you live by the sword, you die by the sword. These are the types of stocks that do this. Um, one day you feel like you're the king of the world. The next day they rip your heart out. Yeah, especially and it's just ones the, that
2: it's the game. Yeah, especially ones that have, have gone up in, to the degree that yeah. that some of these AI No doubt, in, scout. Play. Listen, look
3: <laughs> look at the performance of the stock going into this. Yeah, like it doesn't come for free. It
2: comes with a higher
3: beta, added volatility. You know kind of toughen up a little bit. All right, let's let's take a break.
2: When we come back, we're going to talk about the committee's top contrarian ideas for 2024. They've already given them to you and they're crushing it in February. So should you double down on these trades, we will refresh your memories on what they are and then have that debate next.
3: Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Look for us in your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now.
2: old dominion freight line was built on keeping promises with an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate we keep promises better than any other ltl freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one visit odfl.com to learn more
6: what does it mean to be rich is it having more stories to share or time to give is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away
2: We're back. Let's talk about some contrarian plays uh, that the committee laid out uh, earlier in the year. I mean, it's, it's only the end of February. Josh's, China, China Tech up 9% month to date. Yeah. How the you like K-Web, me now? The K-Web. <laughs> tell, tell me, re- refresh our memory, why you liked it as a contrarian play and what you think about it now. Scott, my
3: brilliance knows no bounds, as you know. But I, look, I, I looked at this and I said, this is this is something that I learned a long time ago good things have a habit of happening to cheap assets. These stocks that comprise this index were just completely washed out. That didn't mean it had to go up, you needed a catalyst. We actually got one, it turns out, Beijing has decided they want to stoke the stock market fires again. So they got rid of the regulator, who, of course, is at fault for everything that had been going wrong in the Chinese stock market. Uh, Looks like they're going to stop jailing their entrepreneurs, which I feel like is is sort of constructive. And it doesn't hurt that these companies have businesses that are on fire. Like these are not bad stories. It's just a bad geopolitical overlay. So if the clouds are clearing up with the geopolitical part of the whole thing, It gives these stocks room to rebound, and, of course, they have. And, honestly, there's nothing telling me that that shouldn't continue. I didn't personally take this trade because I have no guts, but if you did,
2: (laughs) (laughs) congratulations. Kerry Carmax, was your pick? It's up 10% this month. What about it now?
5: Yeah. So way back in January of 2024, when I said that this was a good contrarian pick, it was because we thought that the used car business would start to improve. And CarMax and the general used car market has been struggling because interest rates have been going up. But there were also there was a problem with inventory when you can't have inventory on the new car lot. No one was buying new cars, so they weren't selling their. Their former cars uh, to enter the used car inventory market. Now that's changed. There's much more supply of new cars. Interest rates have stopped going up. Consumers are spending more money on cars, and that is filtering down into the used business. And CarMax really does have the best sort of online presence. It's got the best real world presence, and we think there's a long way to go. This stock went from 150 to 50, more or less.
2: Yeah, and we see what's what's happened with Carvana, obviously, in the yeah. in the last you know week or so. Yeah commodities have woken up they have up 4% month to date
0: it's a surprise to some uh, i think you, listen the, the thesis behind this was actually uh, it was two parts number one we did feel that there would be um, some additional lift as it relates to industrial metals, uh, in particular, and some of the energy commodities, because we did feel like there would be uh, some uh, renewed enthusiasm from the manufacturing sector here in the U.S. Whether reshoring or not, we, you know, we, we felt like the manufacturing from a um, Uh, PMI perspective is starting to bottom. This flip side of this is that we're, you know, we've been somewhat biased against China. And so to Josh's point, you know, haven't felt that comfortable being in China, but acknowledging that the Chinese government is not going to stay dormant forever in terms of stimulating that economy. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways, this was, it can be correlated to a Chinese recovery without having to take that explicit exposure.
2: All right. We're half past 12. Let's get the headlines now with Bertha Coombs. Hey, Bertha.
7: Hey, Scott. As President Joe Biden was leaving for the border this morning, he said the White House was looking into reports of Israeli troops firing on food lines in Gaza and said that he was sure the incident would complicate the current ceasefire talks. Health authorities in Gaza said the incident today had killed more than 100 Palestinians and injured nearly 300. NBC News has not independently verified the reported death toll. A source in the Israeli government told NBC that troops responded with live fire after people swarmed trucks carrying aid. A federal judge blocked a Texas law today that allowed police to arrest migrants suspected of crossing the border illegally. The decision is a victory for the Justice Department. Meanwhile, Texas officials are expected to appeal. And one of soccer's top midfielders, Paul Pogba, has been banned from playing for four years after testing positive for testosterone during an exam over the summer, according to Italy's anti-doping court. The Juventus star says he will appeal the ruling. Scott, back over to you.
2: All right, Bertha. Thank you, Bertha Coombs. Up next, betting on a breakout, the one sector where Shannon is now looking to put fresh money to work. She's going to break it down next.
0: It's truly an homage to reflect on the stories of those that have broken barriers and inspire the next generation. It was representation like Ursula Burns that allowed me to see the possibilities of becoming a president and CEO of FedEx Custom Critical. I humbly understand my assignment and responsibility to have a positive impact through my contributions and paving the way for our community.
2: Welcome back, healthcare. Off to a solid start this year after a dismal 2023. Now, one committee member seeing even more upside ahead. So, it's Shannon, it's you. You're looking to add money here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think if you're if you're looking at um, where we saw opportunity coming into this year, we've talked broadly about laggards, and if we look at the sector level, healthcare healthcare is one of those. Um, I, of course, this is my healthcare. Healthcare was my sector pick last year, um, so perhaps this is a little bit of a, a two-year story for me. Um, but if you think about healthcare in general, there's there's sort of three main components that you want to think about. Number one, you want to think about healthcare services. Healthcare services generally. Um, do well during an election year particularly as we're looking at um, potential Medicare Advantage uh, in, enhanced reimbursements uh, therapeutics drugs don't do typically as well during an election year but just given this cycle and mm-hmm. the fact that we've got a big boost from GLP one also seeing a lot of traction in places like oncology and Alzheimer's there's a lot of great new franchises coming out that can boost this and then on the uh, medical equipment side if you look at procedure volume uh, which is something that a lot of the uh, the managed care organizations have been concerned about because their medical loss ratios are coming up. Mm-hmm. There, so there's there's po- multiple pockets of opportunity in healthcare. And so I think if you're looking at, hey, I want to go into some things that have lagged, but I also want to have some diversification, there's a lot of places to operate within this sector right now.
2: I'm going to defer to the expert, Karen Firestone, <laughs> formerly the manager of the Fidelity Healthcare and Biotech fund correct right.
5: for years for yes. years
2: yes, exactly. so yeah what you think it was
5: so I love that and healthcare was my sector pick for this year um, and some of what you said I would totally agree some of the market, not all drugs, outperformed during election years. But more importantly, this is a group that has underperformed. I mean, badly underperformed. For a long and time. Many of the big names are selling in the single digits or 10 times earnings, 11 times earnings. Those stocks have started to move. Merck, you mentioned earlier, is one of them. I mean, Bristol Myers, if you're a dividend player, good dividend. I know that it's not going to really move on the earnings for a couple of years, but it's selling at seven or eight times earnings. And a a company that's in not United Healthcare, but many of the pick and shovel kind of companies uh, like Thermo Fisher starting to move. They had Great covids, and then they lost fifty percent of their market value um, in in the last eighteen months. So I I think it makes sense. And if we're talking about broadening, it's a way for people to take some money and put it elsewhere and still have earnings behind it. What
2: do you make of what's been going on with biotech, yeah. which has been an unbelievable breakout? How do you assess that? Yeah. And what's and do you do you like some of those stocks? I mean, again, I want to yes. I want you to put your you yeah. know, fund manager hat back on.
5: So there's two pieces and they're competing. One is the speculative nature of biotech. So when we see Bitcoin, you know, doubling, you say, wow, what's next? Biotech, because that's on the risk on spectrum. And you want to avoid just throwing money at it because it's high risk. On the other hand, the companies that are selling for cash, and there are many, uh, those companies have some potential. Look at a stock like Moderna. It's down from what 500 to 100, more or less. Is there anything there worth buying? Very well, can be a lot worth buying. So we are looking at a number of names in healthcare and biotech, and we think that we'll find things. And other people should do the same, but it requires research.
2: Like maybe this is the moment, finally, after a few years I, of being yeah, disappointed.
5: I really believe that could be true.
2: Okay. Uh, up next, we do have big news from Oprah Winfrey. It has one stock plunging today? We'll trade it, but first, Mike Santoli joins us with his midday word next. Senior markets commentator Mike Santoli is here with his midday word at Post 9. No big surprises from PCE. Yeah, That's the headline.
1: Market is essentially certainly acting that way as well. Um, It just seems very healthy in terms of what the leadership is and how the markets remained kind of in this persistent uptrend, hugging the highs, but it's tired. And I I do think that's what you're seeing reflected in the action. Um, Trying to find real holes in, in the story, and it's not that easy. It's just based on the fact that, as you've been talking about, other stuff participating, you've seen real bifurcation in the old leadership. Um, and you know so far that's good. We have dispersion, it's not uh, trading as a big block. Uh, I do think that you know, uh, we can't kind of dismiss the seasonal stuff. Stocks have really outperformed bonds this year. It is at the end of a month and, and you might see a little bit of that noise of, uh, of reallocation right here. but
2: otherwise storys intact. Yeah would, would you characterize the, the market here as the, the month, the rally broadened in a, in a meaningful? way yeah, I would say in a
1: more noticeable way. Uh, again, all along, all along you know the last few months, you've been able to say consumer discretionary is killing staples. industrials are, are right there with everything else. so, you know, it was it was there if you were looking for it, but now it's become a little more inescapable um, that it has broadened out. Um, again, I don't think there's any magic to that. I, st- I also was saying, like, there's no one way for the market to go up. So if it's narrowed, so be it. Um, but but I do think it is it's helped out the story and it's made people more comfortable to participate. At some point, that becomes too comfortable, you know, to a fault. You feel like you can't miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. know. I'm not sure we're there
2: yet. Does it matter uh, whether the Russell really joins the party or not? As long as these other large stocks in yeah. these other areas are
1: working. I'm not so. I don't bestow the Russell with any special predictive powers or bent, you know, bellwether status. Um, but it would just reflect the fact that people are feeling better, more broadly about taking risk about the economy. You don't have to be so defensive. Maybe it means. Rates have to come down, something like that. But, you know, I, I see a lot of stuff that's sort of at an important level and is sort of arguing with the level. What about figuring how contained out the blowups
3: are? Yeah. Palo Alto was a substantial blowup. Yeah. Uh, Snowflake. This, these are big risk appetite, yes. high beta names that are on every trader's screen. Yeah. The, the Nasdaq is green. Yeah, there's
1: not a lot of, uh, you know, of sort of coattails. And I, I think that does explain the fact that people are trading as if it's a high liquidity market. Um, it rotates instead of, you know, kind of runs for the hills. We'll see. I mean, as long as that can last. All right,
2: good stuff. I'll see you on Closing Bell. That's Mike Santoli. Straight ahead, we get the setup on Autodesk. Those earnings are in overtime, carries in it. We'll trade it next. in overtime, including Autodesk, which Carrie Firestone owns. Uh, OK, revenue has beaten consensus 18 of the past 20 quarters. EPS has beaten 17 of the past 20. What do you want to know?
5: Well, the market has to be enthused about this because while they've beaten it, it has not been a good stock. It's an underperformer, particularly a tech underperformer. And we're hoping that the market appreciates what they hear. You know, it's not been a great year to be software construction over the past 18 months. And that's what Autodesk is the leader in. And we think that this is starting to turn. We're beginning to see better revenue and better earnings numbers and better margins. So it's formed a base. We believe that what we can expect to hear is gonna be a propellant for the stock to move higher. Are
2: you surprised that it's done as poorly as it has relative to some other software-related names, which is, almost feels like everything in the market, software and semis, has gone up? Yeah, this is a, what? up, some a market matcher almost, it's up 5%
5: it's an outlier because it's so connected to construction, which is connected to interest rates and everything that's been very interest rate sensitive has suffered, even if it's in the technology. So, yes, we wouldn't have owned it all this time if we thought it was going to underperform. By definition, we think now it's going to start to outperform. And as they talk about the future and we get into the second half of this year, into 2025, we're going to see mid-teen earnings growth. That's what we expect. That's why we own the stock. And, you know, it's. Our Belief that they're going to com- communicate that today.
2: Well, maybe it's one of the one of the rare tech-related stocks that's going to deliver results with a bar that's not to the moon, yeah, right? I think that's right. That, that may
5: a- auger. Yeah. Well. Yeah.
2: Yes. Or, or poorly.
5: Yeah. We'll, <laughs> see. <laughs> we'll,
2: we'll see. We'll
3: <laughs> see. The augering we're, will commence. Yes. From your lips. We're
2: going to take a quick break. And we're going to highlight two big winners and two big losers in today's session. When we come back, and we're going to trade them as well.
3: Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Look for us in your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now.
2: Let's talk some winners and losers. Uh, Shake Shack. 52-week high, it's up 73% in the past three months alone. The question to you is why?
3: It's the perfect combination of execution, growth, and deliciousness. <laughs> when they launched the swicy, swicy menu options uh, uh, in September, October, I remember talking about it on the show. I said, this is it. So they're doing Korean barbecue burger, Korean barbecue fries. They're doing umami stuff. They're doing, what? Uh, they have like the Korean fried chicken sandwich, these things were a a smash hit. And they're not competing with anybody. No one else is doing that. So it's a premium uh, price for these items. They make money on them. It's a premium experience. Everything about it is better than all their competitors. And that's why this has gone from a two to a $4 billion market cap, in my view, on its way to five. Profitability is there. Uh, Innovation is there. It's everything that you want. Uh, in a story like this. And I still think it's first or second inning. It's it's not 5,000 stores. Like it's a very small situation, getting bigger and better all the time.
2: Uh, we should highlight Okta as well. That's on our list because it's up a lot after its earnings report. You see it there, just shy of, of 20%. I know you have CrowdStrike, but it's a 52-week high for Okta. On the loser side, Bath & Body Works is down uh, after its own earnings. And then Weight Watchers, Oprah leaving the board. That's an interesting story, obviously. GLP-1s have had an impact on that company, too. The stock's down a lot, uh, just given the the presence alone of uh, Oprah Winfrey. So we'll take a look at that stock, which is down uh, quite substantially today, too, if we can get it. Come on. There we go. See, told you, it's down 23%. By the way, be sure to watch CNBC's newest documentary, Big Shot, The Ozempic Revolution. Melissa Lee taking an in-depth look at how the diabetes drug reinvented weight loss in that culture. You can catch the premiere. That's tonight, 10 Eastern and Pacific, right here on CNBC. We'll do finals next. All right, we'll have the final final trading day, obviously, of the month of February. So I'll see you on closing bell. We'll see if we can make a run at that new closing all-time high for a NASDAQ, 16,057. That's a key number to watch. Gabriela Santos, Lauren Goodwin, Joe Terranova, and then the dean of valuation, Aswat Damodaran is going to join me. Look forward to having you all as well. Susan Finals, what do you have?
5: Give you Thermo Fisher TMO. It's a healthcare company that applies a lot of technology to the device and product industry, and it's coming back from its COVID low.
2: Shan.
0: REITs, much more attractive with rates coming down.
2: All righty. And
3: Josh Brown. Samsara, Internet of Things, IoT. Really like this name.
2: All right. I will see you in just a couple hours of the closing bell. for now. The exchange begins next.
5: completeness or accuracy and it should not be relied upon as such to view the full halftime report disclaimer please visit cnbc.com forward slash halftime report disclaimer
8: people today can spend half their lives over 50 so it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older like a family vacation